It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Subscribe to the Astros Podcast. Joined by Justin Verlander getting the ball on opening day. Steve Sparks here, and I'm with Lance McCullers. Tons of interviews. Robert Ford joined by Michael Brantley. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa returning to the lineup today. Highlights. That is lined in the right field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. High deep, and it's gone. A grand slam. Follow your favorite team. Subscribe to the Astros podcast. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute Maid Park. For the H. They never said it would be easy. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Astros podcast. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, Astros radio broadcasters here with you today. And uh, obviously, we'd prefer to be calling Astros baseball on the radio, Steve. And we certainly understand that there are a lot of people out there who are are dealing with some significant challenges right now with this uh, pandemic. And uh, we certainly hope that uh, this podcast and these podcasts that we do can uh, maybe get people's mind off of off of the various challenges that they have right now, but it certainly helps. I, I know it helps both of us just uh, think about baseball and, and think about th- doing things that we enjoy. Right. Yeah, it's what we love. You know, and we know that the Astros fans are are big time fans, and they love to hear and talk about baseball, and hopefully hear from some former players. And uh, we've got Dusty Baker with us today, which uh, I'm looking forward to. But uh, we love baseball. Uh, we know the the fans like to. Uh, listen to the experts, but at the same time, uh, have a little diversion sometimes. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, so what have you been watching on uh, on your streaming services lately? You know what? Uh, I'm kind of holding off. I've seen Better Call Saul. Um, okay. I've caught up on that, and uh, I've got one season left of Ozark. But uh, my, wife, uh, my wife and I started a show called The Good Place, uh, very sure. lighthearted. And uh, Ted Dance and Kristen Bell are really good in it, and uh, we've enjoyed that. So uh, season two of four seasons, I believe, with uh, The Good Place right now. Ted Danson also, by the way, very good. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, which just wrapped up the latest season. He's fantastic. I'm watching – well, I I watch – I'm a big documentary guy, and uh, Netflix Uh has this really good Miles Davis documentary, you know, the legendary jazz trumpeter. Yeah. Yeah. you know, I, you know, there was a lot I didn't, I mean, obviously I knew who he was and was familiar with some of his music. My dad's a, a huge uh, jazz aficionado. So most of what I know about jazz, I learned from my dad, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, just a very fascinating guy, very interesting life, a very troubled life in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> kind of what you'd expect from someone of, of his, his level of genius. Uh, but I've been listening to a lot more Miles Davis over the last week or so at home. Uh, after watching that documentary. But yeah, I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's a documentary about Miles Davis on Netflix. Uh, definitely would recommend checking that out. So uh, what I take and, away from that is us geniuses um, uh, should be troubled. <laughs> yes, that's yes. That's what I took that's, away from that's, that. That's, yeah, I, so did I. I don't really so feel I. that tortured. 
<laughs> All right. Well, well, we're joined by Astros manager Dusty Baker today. And with no further ado, let's bring Dusty into the into the conversation. First of all, Dusty, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, right when spring training got shut down, I felt like just listening to you and, and, and watching you go about your business, it seemed like you were really starting to get a good feel for the different personalities on the team and, and different players and what makes them sick and, and things like that. Were you, were you starting to feel that way right around the time that, that, that camp got shut down? Well, that's a good observation because, you know, the first couple of weeks I was there, I was just kind of observing, you know, you know, to, to you know, let my eyes uh, uh, learn, you know, what it could learn. And uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, just about to learn some of the guys, you know, um, you know, you can see their personalities, you can see the different uh, dynamics of the groups, the dynamics of the team. And uh, I was just about to enact my signs because that's about the time when you make cuts or guys go, uh, you know, go to other teams. And uh, so I was just getting it together. Plus it took about, I don't know, a week or 10 days to kind of get back into the baseball uh, mode and mentality because, uh, you know, I'd been off a couple of years and, you know, you, you sort of shut your mind off to certain things. And then I was turning it back on and I was warming up and I was getting into it and getting into the, the groove of getting up early again in spring training because spring training's work. You know, I've always told everybody spring training is work, but, you know, once you start playing the games, you know, it becomes fun. To that end, obviously, with things getting uh, cut when they were, how have you uh, kind of kept up with the players, coaching staff during a layoff, and, and how, how much have you, you communicated with guys uh, the last few weeks? Well, that, that's a good question. I've you know, in the beginning, uh, you know, I, I called almost everyone. I call everyone. Uh, you know, couldn't necessarily get everyone because nowadays the new guys, you know, the, <laughs> the young players now, you can text them and they'll they'll call you right back. But if you call them, you may not hear from them. So I guess I learned that from my son. And uh, I heard that from Ken Griffey Sr. when he told me about Ken Griffey Jr. If you text him, they'll call you right back. And if you call them, they might not call you back. So you know, I've talked to almost everyone. I've talked to all my players and coaches. Uh, I try to stay in contact with them as much as possible without, uh, you know, without bugging them because I've talked to a couple other organizations and they say they call their guys two or three days a week and they get tired of, of hearing from them. And uh, you're kind of on an honor system as far as guys working out. Um, you know which guys not to worry about. But I'm learning this on guys which not to worry about, which guys that you have to push a little bit and, and nudge. And, uh, you know, just like in, in different parts of society, there are, there are people that work hard and there are people that think they're working hard. And so, hmm. uh, you know, I try to stay in contact with them. I stay probably in contact with the trainers as much as anybody because of the players that are injured. And I stayed in contact with, uh, you know, with James Click, uh, uh and also, I've gotten a couple calls from, uh, you know, from MLB uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what we're going to do once we come back or how much time we're going uh, to need uh, to train, you know, if we need some games, uh, spring training games, uh, you know, possibly how many double hitters should we uh, schedule, um, you know, the length of the schedule. And uh, all of a sudden now, you know, my background's coming into play because, I was at every strike that there was. I was um, at my first year in 1972, and then uh, the 76, the lockout, and then 81, which was really, um, you know, the real big one as far as I was concerned because of 
you know, 50, we lost 50 days. And then we came back and played the All-Star game, and then yeah, that's why we went to the, uh, you know, different playoff format. So uh, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, contribute, uh, you know, where I can and, uh, and, and, and talk to some of the guys and just, and just tell them that, you know, there were times when I didn't work out and I didn't do very well, and there were times when I did work out. And did and did pretty well. So I just try to use my background to, you know, try to help as many people as I can. Dusty, talking about the honor system, one person you you would never have to really worry about getting their work in is Justin Verlander. Uh, but there's a lot riding on the health of, of Verlander this year. What have you heard about his recovery? Well, you know, like uh, uh, Jeremiah, our trainer, he stays in contact, mm-hmm. contact with me, and I've called uh, Justin uh, myself a couple times right before he went in. You know, tell him I was praying for him and everything was going to be all right. And I've talked to him afterwards. You know, I've kind of nicknamed him the medical marvel because you know, that's what I called myself for a while after a number of operations that I had gone through. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, th- this is this is actually a blessing in disguise for him. I mean, it's bad for the world and it's bad for baseball, but it's, it's good for the guys that are, you know, that are injured. Because imagine uh, going the first six to eight weeks of the season without Justin Verlander. You know, you know, we were trying to figure out how we were going to, you know, pull this off. And so, right. uh, you know, this gives us a, it gives him an opportunity to, to, you know, to heal, to, you know, to get his arm in shape. Uh, you know, like I said, this was a blessing in disguise as far as, you know, Justin is concerned. And, uh, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing him. Dusty, the Astros lost a, a family member, uh, one of the more important family members in, in my regard uh, in Jimmy Wynn last week. And I know you missed him by a year with the Dodgers, but I know you had teammates that played with him. I was just wondering if you got a chance to know Jimmy Wynn at all. Well, I got to know him, I got to know him you know, quite well, actually. Uh, you know, when him and Joe Morgan, uh, uh, you know, they were close to Sonny Jackson, my teammate. Uh, okay. Atlanta, they all came up together. And, and, and Don Wilson. And so, like, we'd all, you know – get together before Joe even got traded to uh, Cincinnati, uh, um, you know, we'd get together in Houston and, and you know, especially then, you know, the uh, African-American players would always get together after the games and, and go uh-huh. to or, or, or go to the nightclub or, or, or whatever because, you know, for safety's sake and for camaraderie's sake, you know, you would get together because you wouldn't know where to go in, in, in town because you end up in the wrong part of town, man. You're in trouble. Right. And, and so that's how it was back then. And, and uh, you know, the cannon was good to me. And uh, uh, every time I'd come to Houston, he'd come down, you know, to see me no matter what team I was on. I know he was from Cincinnati. I knew some of his relatives in Cincinnati. And he was kind of like a, you know, a, um, you know, a mini Willie Mays, you know, you know how I looked at him. But sure. actually... See, I, I missed him by a year in in L.A. because I, I was I was traded for him, and 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 so he him um, uh, Jerry Royster, uh, Tom Pachorek, uh, and Lee Lacey were traded for uh, myself and and um, and Ed Goodson, and so uh, uh, you know I followed him. I tell you, it was it was a tough follow when I got to L.A. I was booed every. Oh yeah. I wasn't playing very well, and they were like, "Hey, man, we want Jimmy Wynn back." But uh, you know, after a year or so, then things subsided, and you know, like I said, you know, uh, you know, we've been friends for years. And uh, I talked to Joe the other day, and uh, you know, we had a long talk, and 
you know, about the cannon because I was his roommate. You know, I was Joe Morgan's roommate for seven or eight years, I think. So you know, I was looking forward to seeing him and Bull Watson and, uh, you know, Jr. and, and, and Cesar Sedano and some of the guys that I played with, uh, you know, Jose Chael Cruz, some of the guys I yeah. played with, uh, uh, you know, when I was on the Braves and the Dodgers. I mean, you, you talk about Jimmy Wynn and, you know, you mentioned, you know, how – in some ways, you know, he reminded you in some ways of, of some things that Willie Mays did, even even if he maybe wasn't quite on Mays' level. I don't know that too many have been exactly. in baseball history, was, but yeah. do you think he was one of the more underappreciated players? Because especially early in his career, I mean, he could really run in addition to, to hitting for the power that he hit for. Well, he could run, he could play defense, he could throw, and, and you know, Cannon, Cannon, you know, wasn't much taller than Jose Altuve. You know, right. that's how he got the name Toy Cannon. He was a big old bat. I think he used the R-161. And, uh, you know, we were all amazed at the power that he generated, uh, especially back then because uh, in the Astrodome, I mean, that was like playing in Yellowstone National Park or because <laughs> guys hated going in there because you could crush a ball and, uh, and, and it wouldn't go all the ballpark. Then they didn't have a temporary fence. You know, there or San Diego, I mean, you had to hit it up not only far, but you had to hit it high, too you know, to get it out of there. And so, uh, I mean, he was amazing to me. I mean, you know, I, when I first met him and stood up next to him, I couldn't figure out how he generated, you know, such power. Another member of the baseball family was lost, Ed Farmer. I know he pitched a lot more in the American League than the National League. I'm not sure how much you came in contact yeah. with him. Of course, he was a broadcaster for the White Sox for a long time. Did you have any dealings with Ed Farmer? You know, I faced him, you know, a few times. I didn't know that he had passed. And, uh, boy... Uh, you know, like Tupac sings about this death around a corner, and, and it certainly is, and that's why you have to enjoy, you know, every day try to try to treat people right because you, I mean, you never know. I mean, that's sad to hear about uh, Ed because I know he's been a broadcaster for a number number of yeah. years, and uh, right, you know, everybody that I knew that knew Ed, I mean, I knew him but didn't really really know him, and everybody that right that you know knew Ed, you know, talked highly of him. Boy. Um, that's uh you know some news because I got calls out of Atlanta about Mr. Mr. B, which we called him. Bill Bartholomew was a you know was the owner of the of the brand. All right. So yeah, so these guys are are getting older and we're getting older. So uh, yep. like I said, enjoy your life and 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 try to do the right thing and treat people right. Hey Dusty, tell us about your uh, your winery and vineyard out there in California. BFW, uh, I understand it is the the name of the the winery and the vineyard. Tell me about it. Well, I I, I built my house 14 years ago, and I had a couple of extra acres, and I didn't uh, know what to do with it. And I was going to build a, a a pond on it, and it was on a slope. And uh, my insurance man told me that I would I would flood my neighbors. And so uh-huh. on a good rain, I said, Well, you know, that's not a good idea because I was going to catch fish and, and and bring them in and eat them. And we can't get any fresher than that. So. I was with Mondavi uh, on their advisory board. Uh, you know, I knew Michael Mondavi quite well. I used to go fishing in Montana with him quite a bit with one of the owners of the of the Giants, Mr. Phil Greer. And so um, I said, hey, man, you know anybody that can help me, um, you know, plant my rootstock, teach me how to do it, you know, put the, you know, the, not only the vines in, but the wires and, and the post. And he goes, yeah, I got a guy. And so uh, 14 years ago, you know, we planted uh, the raw grapes. I wanted Cabernet grapes, actually, but, uh, you know, I'm in the wrong region. It's too hot here in Sacramento. It's uh, what I knew. 
And so one thing led to another. You know, we started giving it away, and people said they liked it. And, and uh, you know, all my homeboys liked it. And so, so you know, we went into business. And uh, my my uh, um, uh, winemaker uh, was in charge of viticulture department at, at UC Davis. So, you know, he knew everybody. Since then, you know, we outsource, uh, you know, a lot of the grapes. Uh, and, you know, except my off my property, I probably get 50 to, to 80 cases, but we're up to about 1,200 cases now. And we buy, like I said, we buy grapes from, from other people that he probably taught in school. And uh, we just bottled uh, last Monday. And so, um, you know, that's what I've been doing since I've been home, you know, tending to the vineyard and, and you know, make sure my, my ground cover is in good shape. You know, we're having bud break. And so you got to keep an eye on them. So, I've been busy. I've been busy a lot, and it's kind of weird this whole thing since this coronavirus. Just watching CNN right. every day and watching um, westerns. My wife accused me of getting ready for Texas. So I'm watching westerns. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen every western that there is since I was a kid. Uh, I've been staying busy, and uh, also, you know, I have a batting cage for my son, and so you know we've been out there hitting every day, and so getting him right because his college. Uh, season was ended just like our season and also school was was ended so he's he's uh taking classes online and uh you know we're just trying to stay busy and stay healthy and the one thing i noticed uh though this whole coronavirus thing i mean it's terrible this but it seemed like it's brought families together i think people are eating together what ordinarily they didn't i see people walking around small groups or families and riding bikes together so hopefully it's the end soon but you know you got to find a silver lining somewhere and it has brought some people together i think yeah you look for that silver lining it's almost a cleansing you know when there's not as many distractions what do you think about when you're out there pruning the vines and things like that i know tom Seaver used to talk about uh with his vineyard back in california that uh that was some of the best therapy that he's ever had is working on the field well hey man true that i mean i am when i'm out there you know you feel close to nature and god takes my mind you know away from everything you don't think about anything other than what you're doing right then and then and it it cleanses my mind it cleanses my soul uh you know i got a garden you know with raised beds also you know right next to that and so I'm actually going to change my crops this weekend, and that cleanses me also. You know, like I got garlic, I got collard greens, mustard greens. I have uh, three or four different onions, and so now it's about time to put in my tomatoes, my eggplant, my zucchini. You know, uh, I don't I don't eat a whole bunch of that, but I grow it for my daughter and uh, kale and 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 some of my homeboys. And so we were farmers, you know, from the beginning. I think. Yeah, your dad had a garden, right? Yeah, my dad always had a garden, and and and, and he was a gardener uh, uh, at his second job. But back then, you didn't garden for for fun. You garden, you know, to eat. I mean, you, you <laughs> garden. Yeah, we had five kids, and so it's a lot cheaper to go yeah. to the garden than it was to go to Safeway. You know, so um, and a lot better for you. You know, at the same time. So uh, at, as a kid, I hated it actually, because yeah, as a kid, uh, as, as a kid, all you do is weed. You know, like, I, I hate weed now, <laughs> I mean, for that reason. But, uh, I mean, you know it's necessary, and, uh, and, and 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 like you said earlier, it's cleansing, and it's also fulfilling uh, at the same time and necessary. So working on your, your garden and your vineyard and, and watching Westerns, do you, what's your favorite Western? Do you have a favorite? 
I watched the Good, Bad, and Ugly the other day. You know, spaghetti uh, okay. westerns are real good. And I'm telling you, my son, you know, he'd never watched westerns that much until until recently. He goes, Dad, he goes, all they do in the cowboy movies is is uh, drink, you know, hang out with the girls and and and, and shoot people. <laughs> and, and he said. <laughs> And, and and find horses and cows. And I said, well, that's what it was like, you know. Uh, but, you know, it brought back some memories as a kid uh, because, see, we played cowboys and Indians all the time, me and my brothers. I was usually the Indian because I got tired of the Indians losing. I was like, man, they can't lose all the time. <laughs> and so I told my brother, I said, man, we're going to win today. And so maybe that's why. Uh, me as a person, maybe that's why I like, uh, you know, the underdog um, type situations. Uh, I watched the Alamo the other night. And, okay. Uh, uh, that's one of the things I was looking forward to was going to San Antonio. I had been in San Antonio since 1969. And I was all Oh, wow. Going, yeah. I, mean, I was in the Texas League. And the first game I played uh, with the Austin Braves in 1967, I was 18 years old, so you know, I was looking forward to going up to uh, to, to Austin also, you know, on a, on a on an off day. And uh, I had talked to, you know, Jeff Ken. I know Don Baylor was from there. I was gonna maybe see his folks and and maybe you know dig some blues while I'm there because you know I know Stevie Ray Vaughan's from there. And, and I had talked to uh, right uh, Clarence Gatemouth Brown and talked to Lazy Lester, and they, you know, uh, Lazy Lester passed a couple years ago because. And and Elvin Bishop, uh, you know, like blues guys are, you know, they love baseball and and I love music and the blues. And so, uh, like I said, it's been postponed. So I hope we have still have some off days, uh, you know, once we uh, start, so I can, you know, see parts of Texas. You know, you mentioned earlier about being a player during the 1981 strike. You were with the Dodgers, and you mentioned the All Star Game started things up after the strike, you, you know, missed 50, 50 days. Um, and you were, you were an all-star. The first time you were an all-star was in, in 1981. What did you do during that, you know, about two-month layoff be, during during the strike in the middle of that 81 season? That's a good question. First, I'm going to take you back to 72 because Hank Aaron told me to work out. I was a rookie. Hank Aaron told me to work out every day. I've told my players these stories. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't work out at all. And so I was just having a good time, me and Ralph Garr. And so once the strike ended, we didn't have any time. We had to go right to San Diego. And then uh, Lana Cepeda hurt his knee the first game. And then he said, Baker, grab your glove. I thought I was the last guy on the team. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how much they liked me. And so um, I got a hit my first time up, didn't get a hit. Uh, I went 0 for 20 with 15 strikeouts. <laughs> and wow. they put me on the bench, and Hank Aaron and he was mad at me. He told me to get in the cage and, and hit till your hands bleed. So I got a, got my first start again in the Astrodome, and I think I went 3 for 4. Next day I went 4 for 5. The next day I think I went 2 for 4 or 3 for 4 again, and then they traded Rico Cardi the next day. And so I ended up third in the league and, and hit my rookie year, which I was trying to do like Al Kaline did, you know, lead the league in hitting in his rookie year. And so yeah. in 81 came, and then I learned my lesson from, from 72, and, uh, you know, we worked out at USC, all of us did. And then after a couple of weeks, then half of us were there. And then after a couple more weeks, then it, it was down to like three or four guys. So I ended up um, working out uh, every day at a place called Buddy's Bataway. 
and I'd go there and hit, and then I'd go home and I'd swim. I swam every day, uh, and I played wiffle ball, you know, with my nephew. And at first he was killing me, and uh, he was like 10 years old. And I played racquetball, and I think that racquetball, wiffle ball, swimming, and also Buddy's Bataway, you know, had me ready. And uh, I walked into into Cleveland, and Pete Rose and Dallas Green greeted me at the door, and they said, "Hey, man, we chose you on the team because they know, you know, we know that you're a winner." And he said, "We haven't lost to the American League in like 10 years, and we're not going to lose to the American League now." I mean, they didn't say it quite that nicely. And <laughs> at that time, it was a it was a big deal. So anyway, the end of my story was. Um, I think I had the highest average, and I came in third in the league in that year, and, and we went to the World Series, and I think I had the highest batting average in the league after the strike, you know, because I, I continued to work out, and I'm full of my grave believe in that. So this is what I try to pass on to some of my guys. Hey, Dusty, this is the last question for me. Um, Bill Garner once told me that, believe it or not, he got more gratification from managing than he did even as a player. Do you feel the same way? That's a good question. Because, see, as a, as a manager, you get gratification, but you're depending on, on the performance of, right. of others. And as a player, then, uh, you know. More control. On, yeah, more control over, over the game on, on, on a personal level. You know, there's different kind of gratifications, uh, you know, I think yeah. that you get, you know, from being a manager and a coach. But, yeah, man, I'm glad you brought up Phil Garner because, you know, sometimes now I'm watching, it appears that they think that there's one way to teach hitting or one way to teach pitching or whatever. And I remember Phil Garner when Jeff Bagg, well, not told Baggy this, was the uh, a rookie and uh-huh. Phil was the manager. Also, I think Vizio had come up before that, and Gene Kleins had told me that, watch this kid, he's going to be a heck of a player. And I say, well, you know, I didn't see it at first. Because I said, oh, he's a little guy, boom, boom. But, but getting yeah. back to Baggy, he said, this guy's going to be a heck of a hitter. So I saw him down in that squat like he was sitting on a toilet, and he was, <laughs> and he was swinging straight up. And I was like, Phil, there ain't no way this guy's going to be a great hitter. He might be a good hitter. But he is a guy that I was probably wrong about the most, he and Julio Franco, because I didn't think there's no way that you could hit that way. And I told Packy, and, uh, you know, he convinced me at that time and, mm. and, and forever that there's no way, you know, no one way to teach hitting. Well, Dusty, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, uh, hope hope you and your family stay safe and uh, enjoy all the all the good food from your garden. Well, we will, man. But by the time it's ready, I hope I'm back to playing ball. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. I hear you. I hear you. All right, guys. I hear you. I'll see you. Always great to chat with Astros manager Dusty Baker, Steve. And I mean, obviously, he's someone who's had a lot of different life experiences, has has <laughs> been through a lot of things. But I mean, his. His ability as a storyteller, I mean, it's, it's just world-class, I think. You know what? I mean, he doesn't need Steve Sparks to validate Dusty Baker. He's, he's a fantastic man. He's very genuine. But uh, it went a long way for me. And, and I don't know why it caught my eye so much this spring training. We were in Jupiter playing the Cardinals one day. And a couple of his former players with the San Francisco Giants, Kurt Manwaring and mm-hmm. Robbie Thompson, drove across the state probably three, three and a half hours away, just to come see Dusty and support him. And I thought that that, that told me everything I needed to know. Not that I, we didn't already know, and we've been very impressed and as we've gotten to know him better and better, but uh, it's fun to be around him, and, and I'm sure the players are going to 
come to really uh, appreciate Dusty Baker throughout this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just a, a remarkable man. And uh, again, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Certainly hope you're staying safe. You're staying at home unless you absolutely have to go outside. And please, please, please wash your hands. So long for now. Say